0: You're, 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 tu-
1: you're tuned into It's
0: Always Game Day in Cincinnati The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagana At Odyssey Sports Podcast
1: We are back, it's always game day in Cincinnati Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagana No off days, no off day Sundays for us How you doing, Mike?
0: I'm doing pretty great. How are you doing, Lindsay?
1: It wasn't a bad day. I've been really lazy watching football since 930 this morning, and I'm not sure about you. I know you had to get back home after that weekend in Cincinnati, but I've been pretty lazy just taking in all the football today.
0: I, uh, I had to help a friend move a couch, which isn't as fun. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> you know what? As someone who has moved plenty of times, and I really do appreciate my family who helped me move, uh, when you get those friends who can just help you move the, the big furniture, that's, that's clutch. So good for you on this nice little off day Sunday helping a friend out.
0: Yeah, I got paid in tacos and a margarita, so I'm okay with it. but
1: <laughs> That's that's how to do it. But speaking of the NFL, it was a crazy day for NFL games. I'd say starting at 9.30. The 4 p.m. games have been kind of boring, but the 1 p.m., 9.30 a.m., the kick, everything about the last few hours has been pretty crazy in the NFL. And it was a good day for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they didn't even play today.
0: Great day, right? I mean, uh, the whole division – is two and two or worse, including the Bengals who are two and two. So uh, that after a terrible kind of start to the year with the first two games, they are right back into the thick of it.
1: I think the ones you really want to focus on, and uh, obviously we can get to Pittsburgh and seeing Kenny Pickett out there getting his semi-first start. Uh, it was the second half, not, not the start of the first half, but going into the Bills and the Ravens game, that was wild because – the Bills are coming off that really strange game against the Miami Dolphins where, you know, they they were dealing with injuries. A lot of people talked about how hot it was. Josh Allen threw the ball right at the ground, and that didn't make much sense towards the end of that game. And then they started out pretty slow against the Baltimore Ravens. And then Baltimore does what we've seen them do a couple times this year. And that's just struggle in the second half of the game.
0: It's interesting, right? Because now that's two blown leads, big leads. They're not like they blew a three point lead in the fourth quarter. These are like they jumped out to like a 20 to three lead today and lost the game 20 to 23. They never scored after that, right? Yeah. It was 20 to three. And then the offense just completely sputtered. Their defense seems to start games very strong. And then, I don't know, 23 points straight or 20 points straight for the Bills doesn't look great. So I know when they played the Dolphins, I was pretty upset just as a neutral observer with what the defensive coordinator did in the second half of like, oh my God, why are you like running some disguise where your safety is at the line of scrimmage and has to get back to a deep half against two of the fastest players in the league. (laughs) It's like, um, that's probably not a great plan when you're trying to just, take the time out and win the game, but okay. Uh, Yeah. They, I don't know. I, do you know the weirdest part to me with the Ravens? They, they seem like they're built to win games that they jump out to a lead. That's the part that's really getting me. It's like, it seems like the games, if they fell to a big hole, is the games they should be losing, but they're doing fine in those type of games. And then when they build up these leads, the Ravens of 2019 and 2020, they just ran ran the crap out of the ball ran the clock out and like you wouldn't get the ball back for eight minutes at a time. Now they're going three and out, punting it back and losing these games. It's crazy to me.
1: I feel like they were a little selfish on the goal line when, you know, I would have probably just taken the three points right there. And then what happens? He, he gives the ball away and the bills with a great drive down the field credit to them for that. But It just overall, when I watched that game, it was so flip-flopped because I thought, well, maybe our expectations for the Bills, because we talked about in the pregame, you know, four weeks ago, what what a lot of people were saying about the Buffalo Bills. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're, you know, a favorite for everyone, an AFC favorite. Uh, Everyone likes to talk about the divisional game we saw with Kansas City last year and think, like, this team's a favorite. Maybe they still are. But, you know, they gave the ball away twice early on in that game and if they didn't that game could have been more lopsided in the bill's favor so i don't know what to think of the baltimore ravens right now after just four games lamar jackson of course is playing at a all-time level i know a lot of people are comparing his start to the 2019 lamar jackson if not better but you can't give the ball away too and we saw that from him
0: yeah well um i'm just looking up just to make sure i don't speak out of turn the the stats the game i don't i thought lamar played the thing with the ravens right now is that lamar is their entire offense i believe going into this game he had like 70 80 percent of their rushing yards to go with obviously having all of their passing yards that's pretty extreme usage and not sustainable and then, yeah, this game he had two picks. Still led the team in rushing, of course, uh, with well, 11 for 73. But, um, yeah, th- their running backs just don't seem to uh, fully get it going. J.K. Dobbins, 41 yards. Justice Hill, 45 yards. Hill's on a good average, but Dobbins at three yards a carry. That's what we're yelling at, at Mixon about doing. Uh, so, I don't know. I It's a weird team. And when they jumped out to their lead, I thought, oh, man, is this going to be like a real, real good Ravens team that the Bengals have to play because they're beating up on the Bills? But then they let the Bills back in the game, just like they did the Dolphins, and then it makes them feel very beatable.
1: Yeah, I know we're going to preview more on Tuesday and Thursday's episode to look ahead to that huge, huge first place Sunday night football game for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. But just some early looks at it when I see what the Ravens have looked like a couple of times in the second half, they their blown leads. And I think about little, I think about this defense in the second half of a lot of games. And yeah, I mean, even early on, they're stopping a lot of offenses, but they just always seem like a second half team, no matter what what the first half looks for like for them defensively, they make the adjustments and they showed last year. And of course all teams are going to change and Lamar Jackson is playing great right now, but I feel like they put on paper how you stop a guy like Lamar Jackson. And it doesn't matter if it's on the road, if it's at home. Um, I really trust in what Lou and this defense can do as a game plan, even without DJ reader, who's obviously their best defensive player who's going to be out for a few more weeks, but an early look, early expectations, I would feel pretty good if I was I was the Bengals defense and and, and even offense right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the win against Miami is well, I don't know. It's the kind of like when college football has like those statement wins. Even though Tua went out, it was like that was a defense that just held the Bills to so many points. That's an offense that was like the number two offense by DVOA, and you I mean they 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 stifled them with Tua in there. I know it sucks. Tua got hurt. And then Bridgewater finishes it. Bridgewater is a very, very capable, could be the best backup in the league. So I think the defense really showed and the offense showed this team is for real. I think uh, this defense specifically, I mean, I think I am ready for the top five conversation. Number seven in DVOA heading into the week. And then you stop the number two team in that same stat. I think next week you're going to see him jump up even more it's uh it's starting to move into okay this defense is really really good although they haven't played a run game like the ravens yet i will say they have historically no i shouldn't say historically they got trounced in 2020 but in 2021 last year they did a good job against the ravens run game and that was with reader though so in the game without reader they gave up like almost 300 yards (laughs) uh
1: well, just thinking you mentioned it though. And Thursday night, obviously Tula goes out and all of that's very unfortunate. Nobody wants to see that happen. And I really do hope everything goes well and, and two is back in action soon. But no everyone should be talking about the Bengals defense. They should be talking about that being a statement win for Cincinnati because when Tula was in there, they they were stopping them too. Tua threw an interception to Von Bell. And I still feel like that game is so overlooked. And it sh- I mean, obviously, a topic of conversation, we should be talking about what happened with Tua, but people do need to realize what the defense was able to do that whole entire game. And then the offense, who still hasn't played a complete offensive game for them, they did enough. They did enough. They got T involved because Jamar Chase was getting quadrupled team, which I didn't even think was possible until I started watching some of the highlight tape. And I'm like, "Whoa!" their their whole defense is focused on Jamar Chase. And then when you have a talent at, T, at wide receiver and T Higgins, that allowed uh, T to go off and, and even Tyler Boyd at times. So. I, it's unfortunate that we we can't really – we see it as a win for Cincinnati, but I, I just don't feel like overall when it comes to the attention of what Cincinnati was able to do or come back from an 0-2 start to be 2-2 should be a topic of conversation right now.
0: And I think – other things that Cincinnati struggled with aren't being talked about the same way as uh, some other things. It seemed like the Bills may have had some issues with some Cover Two today, and uh, when the Bengals struggled with Cover Two, it was a whole bunch of well, Zach Taylor can't design an offense, and Joe Burrow can't figure it out. You think last year the Chiefs struggled a little bit with Cover Two? It's it's a tough defense to throw on, and you really have to actually prepare for it specifically and really work the beaters for it because what it does is it takes away your deep shots with the two high safeties and you let those corners really sink underneath in the NFL and come down, rally and tackle. Um, So that you're taking away all the deep stuff. The short stuff is a tiny bit flooded with all the zone down there. And uh, so you have to hit either tight window, short stuff or intermediate stuff that takes time to develop. So when you have not great offenses, not great running games, bills Bengals, (laughs) at the time at least it uh it's it's a good defense to try to take all that away so well i think there were some execution and maybe even design flaws with what the Bengals were doing early in the season and they haven't really seen a crap ton of cover two since then um the bill but the dolphins tried to play it i think they played it eight times it was like eight of eight for a hundred something yards so uh, (laughs) it didn't work out but yeah i i think we should talk more about that cover two is a tough defense to throw on when you can't run the ball and you don't have a great offensive line compared to saying cover two is really something the Bengals struggle with. It seems like something when the Chiefs offensive line was bad, they struggled with when the Bills offensive line was bad. They struggled with.
1: You mentioned what Burrow looked like in cover two a little bit on Thursday night. And obviously that was a topic of conversation. You see Baltimore do that again today defensively. Do you expect to see the same thing? for Baltimore? And maybe this is a sign that things could be changing for Joe Burrow and what this offense looks like against cover two.
0: I think of Baltimore's defense fairly similar to Miami's. They're very blitz heavy. Um, and why they do that is neither one of these teams has that guy as a pass rusher. I think Odafe Owe is a good player but i also think melvin ingram is a good player and christian wilkins is a good player all these guys are like good players but they're, they're not micah parsons tj watt even quinn and williams to me is a, a a step above that so i think i i can't imagine that after last year Baltimore is gonna go out there and try to blitz joe burrow i just i think the players would riot like even if this defensive coordinator is going to think well i've got better blitzes than wink martindale and he likes the blitz and all this other stuff i think the players are just going to go like no that that shouldn't be the plan it shouldn't be the plan (laughs) like we want to play eyes on him and play deep and take away that stuff so but i don't know defensive coordinators have egos we saw with robert sala where he kept playing single high despite everybody in the world knowing not to do that and then the dolphins have a better game plan but still got shredded because this offense is finally all starting to click together and it's tough to guard that for 60 minutes. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I think just thinking about this game, it's a lot of like, man, I don't think they'll do this, but I think I also said like, I don't think the jets are going to not play cover. I don't think the jets are going to play single high like they normally do. And then they went out there and did that.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be, I mean, I'm just already pumped about the matchup. It's going to be a big week in Cincinnati. And obviously, if you're the Sunday night football producers, you are so pumped about this because normally though, when the expectations are super high for a game in the NFL, they never live up to the hype but there's a lot of revenge in this game. Obviously Cincinnati swept Baltimore last year. I know Lamar only played in one game and I've heard enough about all the injuries the Baltimore Ravens had last year. Um, I don't need to be reminded of those. And then you go into this game and obviously Cincinnati is going to want to get a divisional one. It's huge. Joe Burrows mentioned it before it counts as two. We're going to have more of that as the week goes on previews, recaps, all of that fun stuff, but I still want to recap the day in the AFC North and we'll move along to what the tape showed from Thursday night football with this offensive line and quarterback. Joe Burl next on it's always game day in Cincinnati.
0: This, this is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati, a Sunday fun day for the Cincinnati Bengals and Bengals fans. They get their win on Thursday night. The rest of the AFC North. Well, they lost. We talked a little bit about the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills matchup. It was a win for the Bills, a comeback win in the second half. Just a wild 1 p.m. slate. We'll move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers before recapping a little bit with the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons. They moved on, and I was a little surprised it was going to be the second half. If you're Mike Tomlin, I feel like you've had to do that because you're not getting anywhere with Mitch Trubisky. We've we watched – uh, enough football already the season even when he was in Cincinnati I can't believe they had nine punts um, and we don't want to talk about that game that they should have won but at the same time this offense wasn't getting anything done why not put Kenny Pickett out there you look at the rest of AFC North you have one win in the North still a chance it's early on in the season you can really flip the script they went with Kenny Pickett in the second half what did you think about Kenny's first start?
0: caught glimpses i I, like (laughs) i was moving that couch Uh, but (laughs) i did did go back and watch at least all the interceptions and his touchdowns and a really nice throw he had over the middle of the field to where he got blasted on the play he also had a back shoulder throw to pickens but then he i don't think these interceptions are completely his fault we're just going to throw out the third one whatever hail mary who cares the first one, I thought it was a little bit underthrown to Claypool. But the reason you get a Chase Claypool as Pittsburgh is because he's like six foot four and can jump out the building, and he doesn't come down with that against the safety. Don't love that. And then ends up being a pick. Uh, and then the other one, it was high to Fryermuth. And I think that's just unlucky that it wasn't an incomplete pass. He couldn't come down with it, ends up being intercepted. I don't think he threw any terrible interceptions even though I think some people want to believe that. Uh, I don't think that either one were terrible. I thought both both the ones that were actual interceptions were fine. I think his receivers could have done more or it was a bad bounce. Uh, Overall, I thought he looked all right. He's a rookie. I wouldn't be overly concerned about him this season. Uh, Probably better than Trubisky, maybe. I don't know. I think so. Trubisky looks like the worst starter in the league. So I, I think it's like you should be better than that. I don't know about today when you just look at the stats, but I do think he played better than him when he was in there.
1: Yeah, and I think the move going forward, it's going to be Kenny Pickett. I don't think you go back to Mitch Trubisky because you've seen enough of what he's able to do as a starting quarterback. And then maybe that looks different for Kenny Pickett going forward. And the thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's easy to watch them now and think, I can't believe Cincinnati dropped that first game. And look, it could come back to bite them depending on how the division looks at the end and the AFC standings. But at the same time, They don't have T.J. Watt. These teams aren't facing T.J. Watt and what that looks like on the defensive side because he can wreck a game. We saw that. And it's a whole different football team when T.J. Watt isn't on the field. And I want to say they've never – I could be wrong. Our producer, Nick, will know because he's a Pittsburgh guy. This is not a Steelers podcast. I'm just talking a little AFC North right now. I don't think the Steelers have ever won a game with T.J. Watt not playing. And that is a total guess of mine right now. So obviously this team, they have, they have holes, they have injuries. They're at the bottom of the AFC North. And I think you're right when you think that Kenny Pickett won't be too much of a factor until next season and what that's going to look like. But I think they roll with him the rest of the way, because you don't have anything else to lose. He does say, he says, I don't believe they've ever won a game without TJ Watt. That's just a guess on my end. So we'll flip over to the Browns and the Falcons. I feel like the Browns should have an asterisk next to their season because it shouldn't count. I'm so annoyed by that organization. It's fun to watch them lose games out of every single team in the AFC North. That's one of those teams where I'm like, yeah, that was that was pretty great. I, loved, I liked everything about that. But when you look at the AFC North after just this past Sunday – all of them drop games. What does that mean for Cincinnati? What What would you do if you were to compare four games right now to where the Bengals look and, and what the rest of the AFC North looks like right now?
0: To me, the Ravens are the only real competition in the division this year. I think the Browns are going to be pretty tough competition next year. Uh, but at two and two and losses to the Jets and the Falcons. I mean that's not great and i know they're gonna be better towards the end of the season when they get redacted back but um i don't think i don't think they'll be in a spot to really do anything after that unless he goes like undefeated which i don't think the team is that good either it like is a really good team but look the bills are losing the only undefeated team is the Eagles <laughs> and uh that team is a super team compared to the browns are losing talent by the way i mean they lost their center they're you know miles garrett was out today injuries are going to keep piling up um just overall i i don't see them as a real real threat uh losing to the falcons that's just bad that's uh, for a team that you are built both pretty much to win now with what you did for the quarterback and i know that they probably are throwing the season away in their mind of like well we don't have that quarterback for 12 games or whatever 11 uh you're still built that way and the lose of the Falcons. It's like, they're not losing to tough opponents. They're, they lost to the Jets and Falcons. That's not, I don't know. I, I, and they could still beat the Bengals just because the Bengals have never shown that they can stop that run game and they'll be without DJ reader in that first one. So that, that's something I'm worried about. Well, I shouldn't say, or is that four weeks? I'm not her sure. Do you know?
1: Um, DJ reader could return for that game.
0: Okay. Okay. So I shouldn't say he won't play. It's probably, it's doubtful in my mind that he plays just based off the way everybody's talking about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the Ravens are the real threat and they do still look good to play the Bills that tight and close the entire game and to jump out on a lead on them. That's impressive. I think we are talking a lot about like, it's weird. They're not holding these leads. This is a team built to hold leads, but uh, they are still a good team. They're the team that I would be worried about in the AFC North, although it is football. Anything can happen. The Steelers are a team to me that's rebuilding, even though they beat the Bengals. It's like they're they're a next year team. They're they're a team so much in flux. And it kind of sucks for some of the defensive players for them because it's like, well, who knows if Cam Hayward's just good or plays next year. And you know, TJ Watt will probably be fine, but I don't know, there's other guys. Edmonds is probably gone next year and Minka's getting older. I don't know. Minka's really good still, though. Yes. He's, he got a he got a really nice pick and was almost a touchdown on the return. Yeah, I, I remember thinking like Other than Parsons, he might be number two in Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, he had another play in the game again today. Um, I know he did leave early. I I, I don't know if he went back in the game or not. I wasn't watching that game all four quarters. But just overall in the AFC North, I agree with you. I think Baltimore's the competition. I think they're built right now to win still a a young team on both sides of the ball. And and with Cleveland, a lot of people say, you know, when – again, I hate even bringing up his name, but when Deshaun Watson returns – you know he can really change, or they'd be four and zero right now. Their defense has some problems. They have some holes defensively, so it's not a they're not a quarterback away from fixing where where their problems are at. So I think it's, it's, it's Baltimore and Cincinnati after four weeks. Um, That's why you don't count people out after the first two weeks of football. It's still a long season. We'll see what happens for Cincinnati too. You got to stay healthy, but overall, I don't think you can ask for a better matchup week five, primetime football Cincinnati has about three or four more primetime games to go uh, coming up. And Three of those are going to be divisional games, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be wild and, and fun to watch for next Sunday night, and we'll get to all that later this week. But you had time to go back and watch the tape, all of the good stuff. Offensive line is gelling off of the first reaction, but really is the offensive line gelling right now?
0: I think the offensive line's gelling. I think Joe Burrow and the coaching staff is trusting the offensive line. This is the biggest thing. They ran, I think I talked about it, that dagger concept. And they were trying to cheat it against the Cowboys. It kept, you know, reducing the split or trying to get it with play action. This time they ran it as it should be run. Just shotgun, drop back, six-man protection. Burrow hangs in the pocket. They give him time. It's a five-step drop and a hitch. So that's that's a long time. That's like a seven-step drop, basically. And we always talk about how seven-step drops are killer. So five-step drop hitch throws the dig route wide open. This is a cover two killer, Tampa 2 specifically, because you take that bender middle of the field vertical route he's just driving that pole runner way out of the play the they usually have a little hitch sit type route underneath to hold the zone defender and then burrow just throws it between the two hooks one of them's being held so it should be a wide open window worked like a charm to t higgins who is a fantastic route runner on this play he the only uh, coverage this shouldn't work on at all is two man and against the Broncos T Higgins beat his guy because they have inside leverage. And it's a deep inside route. Dig route is a 15 or so yard in route. Um, He beat him. Whoever I think it was Ronald Darby was trying to cover him. And he just gives a little shimmy shake and gets to the inside on him. And I was like, Oh man, we need to really work T over the middle of the field back last year. When I saw that, I was like, the teams are going to run these two high stuff. This is a killer against that. And they finally ran it. And executed it well. I was very excited about that. I, I I was like, this is what I wanted to see was them trust the offensive line. I want to see the offensive line earn that trust. And then I want to see Burrow feel comfortable. All three things happen on that one play. And I know it's just like a, it's like a 16 yard gain that I'm going on and on about, but it, it just signifies everything that I've been talking about with Burrow doesn't seem to be trusting his offensive line and his offensive line has been playing poorly and not earning that trust. And the coaching staff even seems to recognize like, Hey, our offensive line can't protect. And this time they did it. And I was just, I was ecstatic when I saw that on the film. I was like, I didn't even know they ran this play. Cause I, you know, I was in the stands and not you know, one play. There's no replays really when you're out there. So uh, I, I watched it. I was just like, Oh my God, they, they ran it. They didn't reduce the split. He came from wide. T does a really good job reading the underneath coverage too. This was an issue Mike Thomas had um, Mike Thomas in the first game. They just put him in that spot and he misread it three times. I think where he either ran into a defender or stopped right behind a defender. And it was like, Oh man, you were killing one of my favorite plays, but then they got T on it and it was there. I'm like, they've got their Tampa two, their main, I think what should be one of their main beaters for Tampa two Cause it's, Whatever you consider an explosive play, it's not 20 yards unless he gets a little yak, but that's kind of an explosive play to hit 15, 16 yards against the Tampa 2 coverage.
1: Yeah, one of the things Joe did, uh, I know, was a big national topic when he said he deleted his social media. He um posted real quick after the game and then deleted his social media again, what he said he was going to do in the post game. And one of the pictures he tagged all of his offensive linemen and he said, I'm in the pocket, like obviously Burrow the song and he tagged all of his offensive linemen and to see Joe Burrow in his own little pocket, in all this room in the world to just do Joe Burrow things. It was probably the throw to T. Higgins that led to a touchdown. But it was wild to see because we don't see Joe Burrow have the time or have that clean pocket all the time. And and we've talked plenty about offensive line. Sometimes it's Burrow, sometimes soft offensive line, and sometimes it just works out that way. But I think Thursday night was just a really good example of him having that time. And it's crazy because we had Duke manyweather on after week one, and he says around the five to four to five to six weeks. They're hitting right at week five and it really does feel like the communication with this offensive line is changing. It's new guys. I mean, I can't imagine being on an offensive line with a new team, not having those end game reps, but finally getting those under your belt. And you're not facing Micah Parsons, TJ Y It's a little bit like, okay, we can settle. We can breathe a little bit. And I think we are starting to see the offensive line settle down in a good way.
0: Absolutely. Just, I still don't think it's perfect. Like there were a couple plays, I'm like that'll get better, you know, like the, the, a miscommunication here there. Like, but overall, it's just so much better from where it was communication wise. You still had guys losing their individual reps, and I still am pretty concerned that law Collins. This is just a back thing. This isn't rust. I think this is. I think we can pretty much call this. This is, I think, a back issue, and it's probably you could hope the long week helps, and you could hope maybe the bye week heals it up but we might be dealing with this for most of the year. <laughs> uh That's just, maybe that's just a worry of mine that it could end up being like a year long type thing, because he's going to want to play because he's like, you know, he's a player. He's, these guys really want to get out there and play. But I think that also is doing the other thing where it's like, you need to rest that back, man. It's clearly not good, Uh, but everybody else is doing better. And I want to shout out again. I think last week I said, Jenna Williams, I think was the most impressive offensive lineman. I don't, he might have been the most impressive individual again this week, and he just looks solid. He looks better. He looks where I thought he would be when he started the year, and I guess that is the communication and the rust of not playing in the preseason and not knowing your left guard and all this other stuff. But he went against Melvin Ingram, who I think is a good edge rusher, and he won that matchup, I think. Um, plenty of plays where he's you know holding him back and doing a good job against one of the better edge rushers in this league. Their best edge rusher, I think. Their, well, their best pass rusher, I think. Although Christian Wilkins had a really good game against the interior at times. Uh, overall, I was just – I was really happy with the offensive line in this game. I think, at least pass protection-wise, it's it's almost there. Run game, no. But it's okay. My favorite play happened in the run game where they all pushed Joe Mixon into the end zone. Yeah. And, oh, my God, they were so excited. I love seeing that the Ted cares fist bump and the other guys are like – it, arms up in the air it looked like the end I, i've said this a few times already but it looked like the end of an 80s movie <laughs> like <fist> bumping, <laughs> like the credits should start rolling it's the first quarter but <laughs> i, I kind of want to make the edit of <laughs> there's fist bump thing freeze frame and the credits just start going down with like <laughs> Peter gabriel song or something
1: Okay, you have to do that, and we're going into <laughs> our next segment to talk a little more, Ted Harris, because he is a fan favorite right now, but I agree with you when you talked about Lyle Collins. He might That might be something that he deals with the rest of the year, and he might just be one of those guys who doesn't really get practice reps at all during the week. We'll see him be limited. We'll see him be questionable all throughout the week. And then he's good to go for game day. I don't see them pushing anything and, and having him out there, you know, for for that for the time being just to make sure he's healthy on game day. And it's just going to be something that lingers. And hopefully that's what it is. I mean, you never want someone to battle an injury, but, you know, maybe it isn't rest. Maybe it is just the back issue. So we'll see how that works out the rest of the season. But plenty more to get to with this offensive line. Positive news. Yeah, Nick, our producers. Says some Breakfast Club vibes. You have to make that happen. I want to see it on social media tomorrow. You have 24 hours. Oh my god,
0: tomorrow! I'm hoping to write an article.
1: Tuesday, you have until (laughs) Tuesday to get that done. Everybody, everybody needs to see that. It'll be a great reference. So make sure you follow Bengals underscore Sands. It'll be up there this week. It's his homework.
0: (laughs) Very much gonna try. I'm I'm definitely gonna try. I don't. I don't have my Premiere right now. That's why my our, my things don't have any spotlights, uh, because I use my fiance's. <laughs> She's changed jobs and they haven't given her login yet.
1: Okay. All right. Not yet. But to be determined in the future, this is going to happen. It needs to. And you can always post it later. Well, that,
0: That's how you know my Premiere's back. I'll post that video because it'll only take me a minute. But I'll make a video of Ted Karras' credits roll. And that's how you know I've got my premiere, my Adobe Premiere back.
1: I love it. I love it. We'll know. We'll act Adobe Premiere on Twitter, and maybe they'll send some free stuff. <laughs> We're big fans of the show. Uh, we'll have more on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.
0: This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati again. It was Sunday, fun day for the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't play today, but everybody in the AFC North lost. They're two and two big Sunday night football game next week on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. We'll preview, predict more of that as the week goes on, but I'm going to stay with the offensive line right now. Ted Karras is a fan favorite. I am still waiting, and I, I, if I miss it, I'm gonna be so bummed. But I know the Bengals keep teasing his mic'd up. The full segment of the whole game of him being mic'd up, the game, the whole entire game. I cannot talk on this podcast today. Uh, did you watch some of the clips of Ted? Yeah,
0: up? yeah, uh, yeah. And he's just he's excited all the time. He did the, <laughs> I think he did the fist bump again, but like, yeah. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> there,
1: there were a couple of times just in that minute and a half that they showed us that were my favorite. My one of them was he goes up to the and he's like, "Hot mic." I'm hot. I'm hot tonight. Just want to let you know, make sure Joe doesn't say anything that's going to get on the hot mic. And then when he ran, I want to say he ran into the ref and the ball fell out of his hand. He's like, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. And he picks the ball up and gives it to him. I can see why, because the players vote on the captains. That really has nothing to do with the coaching staff or the front office or the Cincinnati Bengals. When you get voted as a captain, there's a reason This guy comes in as a free agent, gets voted captain, and we're like, oh, that's that's pretty big deal for your center to be a captain, offensive lineman, new guy in the locker room. There's plenty of other guys to choose from, and he was one of them. And I think we can get that now. And and one of my favorite things about him is during or after wins, they always clip on social media the locker room, Zach Taylor speech. Everyone gets a football, and he's just in there hyping the crowd up, hyping the team up, and I can see why this guy – is huge not only for the offensive line, this offense, but just the organization as a whole. And he's going to be a fan favorite for a while now.
0: Yeah. And man, he just feels like when you pick up, what you, if you're going to like put out traits of a center, like what he struggles with is what you're okay with and what he uh, does really well, are things that like off the field leadership and being the leader of the, the offensive line, being a smart guy, um, you know, working really well with his communication. He's doing a good job with the two guys next to him at this point. Um, And just everything that's like, yeah, I want my center to be a really good helper, a really good leader, and like the charismatic leader of the offensive line. And that's what Ted is. So uh, he might not be an elite center. He might not be, you know, even a great center, but he's a good player. And I think he is what exactly what the Bengals offensive line needed uh, this season.
1: We don't hear this guy's name at all, and that's always a good thing when it's an offensive lineman. He was a new addition this offseason, and Alex Kappa, a lot of people were impressed that they were able to get Alex Kappa. You know, I know Tom Brady would have um, loved him back, too, but he comes to Cincinnati, and he's there. He's here. What's he looking like after four weeks of football?
0: Alex Kappa or Ted I'm Alex sorry. Alex Kappa. Okay, I thought that's what you meant. He's <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> i i thought alex Kappa the first two games was the best offensive lineman and then it's not like no reason why but like nice yeah, he's, he's he's still nice he's still uh, a good player but i do think he has fallen down just a little bit when he faces guys like Quinn williams and christian wilkins who can give him a little bit of issues john franklin myers did the same thing against new york so i don't know if i would he was the guy that hit the ground running And I think he's a good player. I think he's slowed down a little bit, but that's at the cost of his communication. Everything has gotten better with his teammates. He's kind of doing that stuff better. Now as an individual, he's playing a tiny bit worse. That's okay. I I think I'm happy with the Alex Kappa signing. I think um, still four weeks in, no regrets about it. Again, not an elite player, maybe not a great player. He's a good player though, definitely. And these are what you're really shooting for out there. He's a really strong guy. He does a lot of things really well. Um, overall, it, the only thing that I think has been a consistent issue is he doesn't move all that well on wide zone, which is one of the places the Bengals seem to be phasing a little bit out of their playbook as they realize they don't have a lot of guys that move well on wide zone, that, at least as well as they thought they did in uh, training camp. So as that gets phased out a little bit, uh, I think he'll get even better in the run game. But as a pass protector and in the run game, I've been impressed with him. I think he's a good player and somebody that somebody I'm happy that they signed. I'm happy. uh, And and I don't think he's a guy that you need to protect too, too much overall. Like, I think if you're going to protect somebody, it would be Volson, who I think is playing fine, but he's a rookie. So there's moments. So he uh, he solidifies the right guard spot so that the center can help the left guard a little bit more than maybe he normally would.
1: Okay, you mentioned it. You said moments. Tell us about those moments that you're seeing from Bolson.
0: So there's good stuff, and it's like, man, this guy gives so much effort on, like, every single play. Like, in past projects the ball gets thrown, it, like, down the field, and he'll start running down after and try to get some blocks and help lead the way and things like that. But it's just, like, uh, Jalen Phillips beat him inside a couple times. Christian Wilkins beat him a few times it's like he is the type of, it's just up and down. It's just, it's not always one consistent thing. Like early on, I felt like maybe it was his anchor and things like that. But now it's, he's also giving up the inside a little bit too much and letting Burrow get hit that way. which uh, Kappa gave up the hit too. It happens. Um, so I think the moments are just like him learning the speed of the game and how all these players are really talented. And you never, you, To me, Volson's never going to be a great player, but you're hoping that he can be like Karras and be a good starter on this offensive line and give a ton of effort and kind of be, if Karras is like the charismatic leader of the, of the group, he would be the energizer bunny of the group of just like always, always going and going and never stopping. So he's finishing guys like seven seconds into a play type sometimes it's like <laughs> defenders are used to being like dude let me go it's <laughs> <laughs> like i'm putting you in the ground man you're not getting my quarterback so i i like him i i think he's doing fine as a rookie i don't think this is something that's like trey smith last year or even landon dickerson my love from that draft class uh i don't Blair, think
1: it hurts because Jackson Carmen is not working. Yeah, out.
0: I know that's the real issue. Look, I can I what I do is I tell myself, you know, Landon Dickerson went one pick before the Bengals could pick, and I tell myself they were taking him. They were ta- they were not, but I tell myself they were taking him. <laughs> and it's just unfortunate that the Eagles had the pick right in front of them. They traded up, actually, I think. So yeah, um, and that's why the Bengals trade down, of course, <laughs> <laughs> because they lost their guy. Uh- <laughs> But anyway, I think I think Volson really lets you uh, feel like this is where I would hope Carmen would be after like into his second year after that terrible first year. It's like I would hope he's just playing fine. Like that's what you want. You just want that guy not to be a donkey on the left guard and giving up a whole bunch of hits, kind of like Carmen would. If he's winning some, losing some, I'm okay with it. And you give him a little bit extra help. Plus. That side's tackle is the one that's doing pretty well for himself at this point. I know he's had some slips in the first two weeks, but I do think Jonah Williams has been playing good enough that, you know, if you, you can, you know, it's all like a resource management. Who's getting more help on here. So if you can commit a tight end to help Collins and the center helps Volson, I think that's the best situation where the left tackle and right guard are the ones that have to win one-on-one unless they get, Weird fronts and all these other things. It's not going to be every play, but that's what I would think is a good plan for any team in their base defense.
1: So what you're saying is, at the end of the season, Cordell Volson is going to be so tired after his rookie year because of all this work that he's putting in right now.
0: Oh man, I don't know if he'll get tired. I don't know. They 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 build them different. Uh, North Dakota, I know those guys are machines because my alma mater, Youngstown State, just got crushed by them again for like the tenth year in a row. Uh, they're in the same conference. I hate North Dakota State, <laughs> but I, I put that pass. It's like when I assume a lot of Bengals fans see Dax Hill or Leon Hall from Michigan drafted. They go, I hate that school. But then he starts playing well. And you're like, eh, I like that guy. I like that guy. Yeah. I, like and, and I watch That's Wilson. I'm like, eh, I like that guy. But North Dakota State, for those who don't know, they're, the, uh, they're like a late 2000s Alabama and have been uh, in the FCS for like, 20 years and won like 10 titles. It's very annoying.
1: I love it. You mentioned Jackson Carmen, and this is probably the only time we're going to talk about him. I'm just going to bring it up when that guy is a healthy scratch on your roster. There's two things I want to point out about that. Obviously that was a, that was a miss, a big time miss. And and a miss that you, you really didn't need to have when it was an offensive line class. That was pretty deep that you could have probably had a starter. um, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate that, that they missed. But here's here's the good and the bad. Obviously, if Cordell Wilson works out and he is enough at the guard position, because it's something that they've struggled with since Kevin Zeitler, Clint Bowling, you know, we're all gone off this offensive line. A lot of people would say, oh, this team, they never pay the guard and they can't draft offensive linemen. And, and hopefully you the guys you have right now stay healthy and they work out for you. The good part is this team isn't trying to push something that's not working in Jackson Carmen. They're not saying, well, you know what? We drafted him so high. We have to put him out there. He has to play. They're like, no, he's not working out. And he's not working out as a backup. He's not a backup right now. Zach Taylor was really honest about it before the season started. And when you're getting a healthy scratch on the offensive line, that's very telling for what a front office and a coaching staff thinks of you right now.
0: I mean, they made a waiver claim to replace that guy. Uh, It's just... He's very much on the path of he's probably getting cut soon. Not this year, but this like year. like going into next year. I don't know the, the dead cap situation on that or if anybody would trade for him. But he, he just doesn't seem like a roster lock for next year. It just seems what a waste of a second-round pick. I mean, could you imagine? Oh, man, I don't want to play the game. But oh, if they draft Creed Humphrey or Trey mm-hmm. Smith or are you all doing these it? guys. Are you, oh, you're like trying to right? live like
1: Relayed the I, Super Bowl that Jamar I'm, Chase was wide open. Stop I'm it!
0: I wasn't even going to bring up the Super Bowl, but they'd be a, they'd be in such a better spot this year. You know, like they wouldn't have had to do all this. They would have had a guy that they feel confident in, but they got the one. I mean, it was such a good class. It was been like, so
1: hard about that whole entire draft. And, and here's well, here's ugh. the thing they. And this is nothing – this is not to bash the front office at all because you get Logan Wilson out there in 2020. You get Akeem davis Gaither out there. Marcus Bailey, sky's the limit for the linebacker. This is a 2020 class, and I know obviously Jackson – 2020
0: class, I don't think we talk about enough as like an all-time draft class.
1: We don't – I mean, what's crazy about it is we'll say that Logan Wilson – We'll talk about, you know, he's underrated as a linebacker. I think national media, when people watch him under the spotlight primetime, like this guy's a dog, he's the real deal. And he has seven interceptions on the I mean, in his career so far, and that's insane to me. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But what's crazy about that class is when we talk about them, we're like, oh yeah, they dropped a Joe Burrow anti-Higgins ahead of him. So I, I, it's just, it's wild what that class can be as far as the, you know, the nuclear, the the center of what the future of this young team is. Uh, and then 2021, I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's questionable, but this is not to hammer on the front office. They've done a great job in free agency. They've done a great job in the draft the last couple of years, but yeah, Jackson Carmen, I think that will probably be the last time we really ever talk about Jackson Carmen because there's not really a time that we'll more than likely see Jackson Carmen on the field as an offensive lineman. But.
0: Yeah. I just think, man, I know they had the first pick and you could, even if you throw away the Joe Burrow pick, it act like, yeah, they, they got an average first overall pick to me. They didn't, they got, <laughs> they got the guy, you know, that's hard to find. When you look back at like some other teams that had like a slam dunk first round pick. I'm just looking at the Panthers draft class from when they had Cam Newton first year, their second round pick. That wasn't T Higgins. It was Terrell McLean. They traded down, I think. Uh, from 33 so that or they didn't have their 33 pick so maybe this is a bad one to look at but Terrell mcclain's where uh, logan wilson he picked he started two years and then they didn't play him anymore and then sion fua is the only other guy to have a year where he started and then the other guys are all misses i mean where akeem davis gaither would go it's brandon hogan who played one year in the league and didn't in three games and then i i don't know it's just like looking back like I know this draft class gets a little underrated because they had the first overall pick, but even when you look at pick 33 and 65 or, uh, and whatever after, Oh man, doing plus 32s. I haven't done this <laughs> before. Exactly, <right laughs> Nin- 97, I think would be look at Wilson. And then we're not going to keep going, but I keep Davis Gather And, uh, even like in the, what in the late rounds, getting your Marcus Bailey and Hakeem Adenegis is like, yeah, we got a swing tackle and a linebacker that can play when he's needed to. That's that's tough to find. That I don't know. That draft class to me is almost on the level of what the Colts did when they drafted Quentin Nelson and Darius Lutter in the same draft. And honestly, you could argue it's better just because front to bottom and getting the more important positions.
1: Yeah. And that's credit to, I mean, I feel like the Senior Bowl was a big part of, you You think of Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither when the coaching staff was down there for those games and, and helping coach and getting to know those players. I think that's a huge deal, what they were able to get. I think when you hear Logan Wilson's name, people are like, what? Who's this guy? Where, 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 why are you drafting him for? And, and he's amazing. He's, he's going to be someone we're talking about getting an extension soon, and that's going to be a fun conversation on the defensive side. So my whole point was the jackson Carmer thing didn't work out. And I'll say right now, it didn't work out. It's not going to work out. But they've hit pretty hard in the draft the last three years. And then free agency has just been crazy to think about. If you think about Trey Hendrickson, Cheeto, Mike Hilton, all of those guys on the defensive side, it's really been fun to watch. But, man, we got plenty to talk about. This is going to be fun again. Football is fun again. Week 5, Bengals are even, 500. They play another even team. First place on the line for the AFC North early on in the season. And if you remember last year, Because Cincinnati started three and one. A lot of the top three teams all started three and one. I want to say Pittsburgh was one and three. Uh, So we're kind of back to where it all began from last year, one game off. And that's when the expectations started to get really high for Cincinnati when we hit October of, hey, this might be a contender. This team is serious. They really have it going. And and obviously health was on their side. You're going to have plenty at all Bengals. You're gonna have all your all your video content. I've retweeted a lot of your videos this weekend. Just great breakdowns, offensive line, Joe Burrow. Go check it out. Bengals underscore sands. What's gonna be online this week?
0: Yeah, hoping tomorrow, but I have been very busy today, so I, haven't, I don't have it fully written. So okay. no promises. Could be the next day. Um, I wanted to do the gravity of having a Jamar Chase and what that does, what how opposing defenses react to it, and how that lets somebody like T. Higgins go off. Um just should be a cool idea. Like the NBA has all this thoughts on gravity and Stephen Curry and how that affects defenses. And I think wide receivers have the same type of uh reaction from defenses, whether that's conscious or subconscious, a little bit of both. Um, and it doesn't really get talked about as much where the safety plays four extra yards towards Jamar Chase instead of playing in the middle of the field when there's like that or when they're just straight up doubling him and spending their resources that way. So it should be cool. I have wanted to write it, and then this was a perfect game to uh, – seeing it live, I think, is what got me. because I was like, oh, my God, the safety is just, like, following. <laughs> you know, he's, like, following the Jamar chases every ch- – chases side every single time. So I was like, you could feel, I think, the – great think of it like uh, a magnet, just a light magnet to pull him a little bit towards that way, and that lets T. Higgins just – he's alone. He's alone with – their best corner, I'll give them that. They know what they're doing, but, you know, when you've got a guy like T. Higgins, your best corner isn't always going to win that matchup.
1: I love it. Go check it out. I'm already excited to read it. Make sure you're following along, like I mentioned, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Ellen Diaz Patterson. We're going to be back two more episodes before kickoff for Sunday Night Football. A week from right now in about 15 minutes. We've got a good game tonight. Tampa and Kansas City. Can't wait for that one. But check it out this week. It's always game day in Cincinnati.